0: Hey, Sound Opinions listeners, if you support us on Patreon, you get to listen to our podcast ad-free on Patreon.
1: You're listening to Sound Opinions, and this week we're sharing our favorite songs about
0: breaking free. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. We'll also pay tribute to Lee Scratch Perry, who died last week, and hear from some of our listeners. But first, at long last, we have a new Kanye West album to review.
1: That is a track called Jail from Donda, the 10th studio album by Kanye West. Greg, it's always a challenge. You and I have covered Kanye West since he was a kid putting mixtapes in our hands. How much do people need to know about this guy? Uh, They know him primarily, I think, for uh, controversial uh, antics in public and weird utterances and all sorts of stuff the tabloids love, we know him as, uh, over the course of his first five albums between 2004 and 2010, reinventing sonically hip-hop in many ways as one of the most talented, daring, and adventurous producers uh, that the art form has ever seen. There have been five albums since those first (laughs) five, this being the 10th, you know, and he introduced it with these big listening parties at giant stadiums. Sometimes he stayed at the stadium for quite a while afterward, working on the album in the stadium, tinkering until the last minute. Nobody was sure it would actually come out when it did, but... Sure enough, it surfaced the day after a giant party at Soldier Field uh, where the Bears play. In the middle of the field, he built a a replica of his childhood home with a giant cross on top of it and then brought out some people to uh, hang out on the porch with him. Marilyn Manson, credibly accused of sexual abuse of late, targeted by the Me Too movement, uh, the baby, uh, who who has has been kicked off festival bills this summer for homophobic remarks, and the woman we thought he was divorcing, Kim Kardashian, who appeared in a bridal veil. What are we to make of that? I don't know. The field, you know, field day for the Sunday, as Wire would say. The tabloids are all over that stuff. You and me, we want to get into the music of this guy we have followed from day one. Here is a song called Jesus Lord by Kanye West from
2: Danda tell me if you know someone that needs Myself, I'm just thinking about all I've been through. I wish I was dreaming. Man, it's hard to be an angel when you're surrounded by demons. I watch so many people leave, I see him change by the season. That's Mama's seasoning. God got you, the devil's watching, he just peeking in. I know I made a promise that I'd never let the reaper in. But lately I've been losing all my deepest friends, and lately I've been swimming on the deepest end.
0: That is Jesus Lord, a track from the new Kanye West album Donda, which is named after his mother, a uh profoundly influential English professor yeah. in Chicago both for many, and I, many years, an he, educator. We
1: both talked to her. Yep. What an incredible lady when he was on his way
0: up. Wonderful woman, single mom, basically raised Kanye on her own and uh, and then passed away in 2007. Now, I think you can divide Kanye's career in pre-Donda and post-Donda. Yeah. That is my personal theory on, on Kanye's Evolution as an artist. I Um, would second that. She had a hugely (laughs) positive influence on his life in many ways, and that anchor is gone. This album mourns her ostensibly, but as usual, the main subject of this album is Kanye himself. Yeah, that's typical Kanye. Naming the album after his mom and then really focusing on what his mother had to say about him. You know, it's kind (laughs) of like (laughs) which he actually does when he pulls a quote from his mom. She, her voice is actually on the album talking about Kanye. Yeah.
2: The man I describe in the introduction as being so decidedly different, my son. And what made the project extra special to me is I got a chance to share not only what he has meant to me, but
3: what he has meant to a generation.
0: Kanye can't talk enough about himself. He spends, as you said, 104-plus minutes talking about himself on this record. Now... I don't want to belittle that at all, but here's the thing. One of the things that was most attractive to kind of two things, actually. The way he was able to use beats on his records, his inventive use of drums, and his inventive use of Dusty's samples. And on top of that, you had this sort of regular guy coming out of a middle-class upbringing in Chicago and owning up to it, saying what that, was, what that felt like, a young African-American trying to make his way in the world. And now we are left essentially with a record without any beats on it. There's very little drums. There's very yeah. little innovation rhythmically. There's none of those dusty samples that he was so known for early in his career. Well, and, well, you know, well, yeah, but there were also violins
1: early in his career. Oh, he and, did everything. You know, I
0: mean, he was, you know, the lush productions. What amazes me, Jim, about this record in many ways uh, four or five producers on each track, including mm-hmm. Kanye. Yeah. And we get a very, to me, a very. Uh, samey sounding record how can 27 tracks sound so much alike spread over this vast expanse of of, uh, digital tape whatever you (laughs) want to call it and I, I, I just I'm profoundly disappointed in this record musically I always try to divorce Kanye from his personal past and just judge it on the music and one thing you have to say about Kanye, especially early in his career, he made great music. Whatever you thought yeah. about him, yeah. the records were great. Those now, first those first five albums, super country, reinvented yeah, hip hop. You know, yeah. obviously he's done some dumb things personally, said some dumb things. But personally. I, you
1: know, and I want to clarify: when we say dumb things, he has been a jerk in public well, yeah. in a big way.
0: But he has never been an abuser or 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 uh, spewing hate. Exactly, and you know, and I in this record the the whole idea of him coming to terms with his faith uh, ostensibly uh you know he's in his gospel phase allegedly yes, right he's still in the gospel uh, phase but but the music doesn't hold up and that's where i you know i don't think as a rapper as a as a, as a rhyme animal, as they say. He's, he's not in the top tier, you know? So when yeah. when you're hinging on the words to sort of carry an album for 27 tracks, it ain't gonna work. Yeah. Well, there's more singing
1: than there is rapping, and he's not a great singer. We know that. Um, I think I like it a little bit more than you. I would say it is his best album since My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy in 2010, hmm. but that wasn't a great album. I think the last masterpiece was 808s and Heartbreak. Um, you know, it is better than what he has given us uh, between 2010 and 2021. Uh, I just think, Greg, uh, imagine this. If, if you, you and I are made better writers by great editors, you and I are made better uh, broadcasters, uh, to the extent that we're any good, by our two brilliant producers, right? Um, if we had had one focused producer and editor cutting down uh, these tracks, uh, having the album. Cutting it in half, right? One half of an album, I think it would have been uh, a much stronger record. Um, It is in that... Dark Knight of the Soul mode. Uh, Once again, he's showing Drake. I invented this with 808s and Heartbreak. I'm a million times better than you, kid. You know, there's a little Kanye humor came back, Greg. He used to be very funny. I think it's a great line when he says, some say Adam could never be black because a black man's not going to share his rib.
2: Some say Adam could never be black because a black man uh, never shares rib, 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 rib.
1: It's a bad joke? Yeah, it's a bad joke. It's Come a bad, on. I've, heard, I've seen it described as a
0: dad joke. I, I'd never heard it. I thought it was funny. Cornball middle class uh, Kanye I could take. You know, self-righteous cornball Kanye, I can't. He's not always
1: self-righteous. In the cameo, Jay-Z, with whom he's had an up and down relationship, he kind of gets Kanye to apologize, uh, stop all of that red cap, we're going home, right?
0: Hola, on. Danda. I'm with your baby when I touch back row. Stop all of that red cat we going home
1: we know what that's about his his controversial political endorsements but what's he doing you know we, we played a little of Jesus Lord in Jesus Lord Larry Hoover jr uh talks about his dad a famous Chicago gang member who basically went to jail for life mm-hmm. and the impact that that's had on the family um the one good thing you can say about the kanye kardashian duo was you know going to the white house oval office and arguing against unreasonably Mm -hmm. long jail terms for african-american men wow that's a powerful moment Mm -hmm.
2: even though it is not seen that way for some of us but for many of us larry hoover is a beacon of hope for his community who deserves
0: to breathe free air free my father Mr Larry hoover sing no.
1: several times the unjust jailing of uh people of color in this country are addressed on this album uh you know we are led to believe by the proximity to gospel and some specific lines this is an offense on God then what do we make of him collaborating with Marilyn Manson of de baby what do we make of that how do those two things combined. Is he saying everybody deserves a second chance? Because there are plenty of mea culpas uh, that he's making about his own behavior.
0: The the one thing that strikes me is that he, there's there's a few lines in this record where he talks about his mysterious methods. Like you're not gonna get everything that I'm about until I'm um, past that point. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm when i when I've moved beyond it, that's when it'll become clear what I've done. But I'm kind of thinking I'm sort of beyond you at, at this point. I'm like really? I, I'm not I'm not, I I think this is, you you give it, you say it's his best in in, in a decade. I would put this, I would rank this at the very bottom of his records. I just find it a completely self-indulgent mess. Well, Greg Cott misses the old
1: Kanye. That's what (laughs) we think of Donda. But we want to know your thoughts. Tell us in our Facebook group our Patreon community, or leave us a voice message on our website, soundopinions.org. We're going to play some of those a little later. But next, we'll share our favorite songs about breaking free. That's coming up on
0: Sound Opinions.
2: We're
0: back, and today we're sharing our favorite songs about breaking free. That is right, Mr. Cott. This week marks one year since Team
1: Sound Opinions, you, me, Alex Claiborne, and Andrew Gill struck out on our own as an independent production, and uh, we feel pretty good about it. (laughs) People are still enjoying the show. They are supporting it. We cannot thank you enough. We thought, hey, it's a year, okay? Let's do our favorite songs, tapping into that feeling, both invigorating and a little daunting, of setting off on your own, of breaking free with your past, and I will start us off. You saw where I was going first, and the first thing you said is, are you gonna talk about the video? (laughs) 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 I want to break free. By Queen, um, you know I, I was a huge Queen fan up to and including Jazz, and then I, when I was a real young kid, and then high school when Jazz came out, and then I fell off a little bit. So I will confess. I was unaware of the video for I Want to Break Free, I was—I I didn't like the works, the album in 1984 that this song came from, and I was thinking about it, and I saw it referenced as, as a great anthemic tune about breaking free, and that's, the, we're doing songs about breaking free, it's right there in the title, and boy, it is a great song, you know, in that classic Queen way. I mean, dial an anthem up. All right. It's big. It's Mm -hmm. bombastic. I want to break free. I want to break free from your lies. You're so self-satisfied and I don't need you. Um, The video. Uh, According to the lore in Queen biographies and such, Roger Taylor, the drummer, suggested that the band members all dress in drag for a parody of a British soap opera, and it's very, very funny. Freddie Mercury uh, did not come out of the closet as a gay man until he was on his deathbed for AIDS. It was such a tragic story. And, you know, the levels at which you can hear uh, this song when you know that, mm-hmm. um, you know, about a man saying, I want to be free to be who I am. I do not want to live a lie. Um, you know, adds a whole other level of... Uh, Of anthemicness, if you will. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? It's an inspiring tune. It's Queen at its best. I Wanna Break Free by Queen.
0: I WANT TO BREAK FREE
1: Want to break free? You're playing the video in your head. Even yeah, as I as love me. it. I love the video.
0: I love the song. And uh, you know, I just thought, what a, you know, everybody who was doubting Freddie Mercury's uh, persuasion, you know, is uh, you you will have no doubt after this particular video. He you could know? sell a song. He was breaking guy. free yeah. then. You just <laughs> didn't pay it enough <laughs> attention. Yeah. Next, I want to go to a a, a record from that same era, Jim, the '80s, uh, Janet Jackson and the Control album and the title song from that album. Uh, It was her third studio album. Uh, She was only 19 when she made it. Uh, She'd already made two prior records that nobody cared about. This third record was in many ways a make or break. She was standing in the shadow of not only the Jackson 5, but of course her brother Michael Jackson, who was the biggest entertainer in, in popular music at the time. Uh, what's Janet going to do? Is she going to live up to the family name? You know, How, how, can, lot she, of, how
1: can she? Yes,
0: yeah. a lot of pressure on her at the time, in addition to the fact that she was a female, right? Right. Uh, so you have Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis basically taking a flyer on her. They were cr- incredibly accomplished uh, producers and songwriters at Out the time. Out Minneapolis. Working, working in the time and then making all sorts of music for other artists. And they said, you know, we want to work with Janet. We want to see what we can do. And one of the things they did was so canny is that they said... Let's work on the entire album together. Let's make an album about you. Instead of having, as was the custom, having a bunch of different producers coming in and making individual tracks. They wanted control. She was looking for control. Right. And she got it. Uh, Opens the record. When I was 17, I did what people told me. Did what my father said and let my mother mold me. But that was long ago. Long ago. Two years ago, Janet. (laughs) Not yeah. so long ago, but here's a woman who is finally, a young woman who's, who is, is breaking free, who is deciding, I'm going to control my destiny instead of someone else. And she does it very eloquently on this track, which we wore out. We love this Janet Jackson record. I think it's a, it's a personal statement about a universal truth, teen angst. Yeah. Who am I? When do I get control over my life? Here's Janet Jackson singing about it on Sound Opinion.
1: Janet Jackson, Control. I will tell you only, listeners, if you don't tell anybody else, we did a fantastic interview with Jimmy Jam that's coming up on this show very soon. Indeed, Um, I'm going to go to another classic, Greg. I almost feel guilty playing it because it is such an obvious choice. But you want to talk about songs about freedom. Uh, Won't you help me sing these songs about freedom? Because all I ever have are redemption songs. Wow. Wow. Many people say it is Bob Marley's greatest song. I don't know about that. I I have about 28 on my, Mm. like, contending uh, all tied for number one. Uh, But Marley um, had apparently recently discovered he had cancer. It would, of course, claim his life. Um, So adding to... Uh, a theme that runs through all of Bob Marley's work, uh, the struggle for African emancipation. Uh, He's quoting Marcus Garvey in the song, uh, Emancipate yourself from mental slavery, Uh, none but ourselves can free our minds. Um, He is also realizing that he's about to be freed from this mortal coil. And it was always a very complex stew of musical influences that went into Marley's music. You know, along with being, uh, as a young musician in Jamaica, uh, a key part of the uh, ska scene that becomes reggae, you know. um, He, you know, he he was a huge fan of Bob Dylan. Mm -hmm. And this is Marley in Bob Dylan mode, the troubadour with the acoustic guitar. It is, I'm like already emotional Because I get to hear this song again. Bob Marley, Redemption Song.
4: Won't you help to sing These songs of freedom Because all I ever have Redemption songs Redemption songs we've got to fulfill the book.
0: that is bob marley with redemption song you know it is it's a it's a spine-chillingly great song unbelievable the way bob delivers it and timeless song as well speaking of timeless lou reed a man with uh, a song for every notion every emotion everything you can possibly think of no matter how complicated he has a song for this moment too from the velvet underground's third self-titled 1969 album it's a song that's kind of buried on side two. It's not considered one of his great songs. It's kind of just a, another song on a very good record. And uh, I beg to differ with that. I, I, you spend a little time with it. First of all, it's got an incredible melody. It's one of those a- instant anthems you can sing along with very quickly. And of course, as with Many Things Lou, uh, it gives an impression of being one thing when it's may- very much a different thing. Uh, I'm set free, well, he is free, and yeah. he must be having a great time oh no uh, that's that Lou he's going to tell you what free what does free actually mean I'm set free to find a new illusion, yeah, you know that's a pretty profound statement. It's about yeah. you know we go we bounce from one good idea, what we think is a good idea to the next in search of redemption yep. or some kind of deliverance uh, the whole idea being that life is kind of a setup to let us down. Well, and, you, know, you know,
1: and he's singing this in the 60s when the golden, idyllic, utopian 60s uh,
0: hippie dream. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, that's just another illusion, man. Yeah, exactly. And he, he, he does it in a very terse way. The, the lyrics are very concise. So he realizes, okay, life's this illusion. Uh, he gains clarity after regaining his vision. I've been blinded, but now I, now I can see what in the world has happened to me. You know, and you're wondering, okay, is this Lou, you know, off drugs, you know, feeling, you know, clear-headed for the first time in a while? He gains wisdom. Let me tell you what I found. I saw my head laughing, rolling on the ground. Yeah. And you go, what? Yeah. Wow. This is absurdity at the, at the next level. Life's absurd. If you can't laugh at it, and with it, you're, you ain't going to make it, buddy. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting observation by Lou Reed just talking about Life and what it means, and in a weird way, it is kind of freeing once you realize what you're up against. I'm Set Free from the Velvet Underground and Lou Reed on Sound Opinions.
3: I've been so
4: free,
5: I've been bound. Let me tell you, people, what I found.
1: Hey Cott, playing only one of the greatest uh, Velvet Underground songs of all time. I'm set free. Mr. Cott, one thing we have been excited about uh, doing as an independent production is welcoming Althea Lagospi to our team. She covers music news for Rolling Stone. She's been doing some uh, bonus podcast, uh, news-focused uh, chats with us. But now we got her on the song because she's also a great critic. She sent us her favorite song about breaking free.
4: One song that springs to mind is the Rolling Stones' I'm Free. I love how the song has taken on different lives and meanings through several eras. Originally released in 1965, the folk rock song captured their 20-something 60s ethos, where freedom should be a given, and sexual liberation was a movement. their 1995 stripped version, Swings, and has a more reflective intonation in lieu of youthful swagger. Then there's their Ripping Live version from 2008, Shine a Light. So love- While the Stones have given their song new contexts through the decades, others have also put their own spin on I'm Free. The one I grew up with is the Soup Dragons 1990 reggae-tipped version. Rather than a focus on breaking conformity shackles and sexual freedom, their remake imbued the song with personal autonomy. Here it's I'm free to be who I choose versus choose whom I please.
2: I'm free to be who I choose
4: in the
2: old time I say love me, hold me, love me, hold me, cause
4: I'm free. More recently, Dua Lipa dropped a Club Ready rendition for a commercial. It's another iteration showcasing the timelessness of I'm free and the enduring need for breaking free of the things that hold us back. Congrats to Sound Opinions. Here's to being free to do what you want any old time. Ah, thank you, Althea.
0: That's a good pick on the stones. Absolutely, Jim. Let's turn to our listeners now. Do you have a favorite song about breaking free? Share it in our Sound Opinions discussion group on Facebook or in our Patreon community. Coming up, we've got one more pick each. Then we remember Lee Scratch Perry and hear messages from our listeners. That's In A Minute on Sound Opinions.
1: And we are back. This week we're sharing our favorite songs about breaking free. Greg, for my last pick, I am going to Long Island. During the golden age of hip-hop, Eric B. and Rakim... Four really strong albums between 86 and like 92. The last one is uh, giving me my track, Don't sweat the Technique, their last album, Teach the Children. And uh, great track driven by a sample uh, of James Brown's Hot Pants. When I initially uh, heard it, I was thinking, uh, concentrating on the politics in it, these two rappers are talking to the generation coming up behind them and saying, question everything. Question the White House, some very pointed remarks uh, to the president, uh, saying, you know, uh, question the wars we're involved in, the discrimination in the racial nation, Mm -hmm. and very dense verbiage and and wonderful back and forth. Only when I printed out the lyrics, all four pages, (laughs) Mm -hmm. did I stumble across this verse, which had never grabbed me then, But today, in the context of Teach the Children, it is like Greta Thunberg uh, talking to her generation and even younger saying, question people, right? I'm going to teach you to question people. Nature's balance is way off balance. They tip the scale now. It's no more silence. The hole in the ozone layer is out of control, but they want to fight for more oil and gold. Question everything, including the forces that have us continuing to rely on fossil fuels that are destroying the only planet we have to live on. Mm -hmm. You know, Kanye West and Elon Musk uh, might be able to go live on Mars, but all the rest of us got this planet Earth and we're destroying it. Uh, Eric B. and Rakim teach the children.
2: No more time, the past time. The Steve's are the last bomb. Because we're living in the last time. They want to go to war, more wars to come. But most of us fight more wars to run. nation, and the racial nation. but they destroy our strong foundation. Nature's balance is way off balance. They tip the scale, now was no more silence. The hole in the ozone zone layers out of control. But they want to fight for more oil and gold. Unemployment, I got laid off. The streets is the last resource to get paid off more men no dough for bread I gotta shed blood to make a red scent Maybe I should ask the president. Somebody give me the president. But he don't want to hear it. That's out of the question. Cause in my section, it's worse than possession. So I go to a rich neighborhood and play Robin Hood. Take from the bad and get to the good. Go Teach the
0: children.
1: Were you a fan of those guys back Oh my God, day. yeah. Rakim
0: yep. is probably, you know, top three MC of all time. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's amazing.
1: Yeah, I agree. it's one check.
0: You got one more pick. I do. Uh, I want to go to uh, one of my favorite singers, who also happens to be my youngest daughter's favorite singer. Mm. Uh, we've been to a bunch of her shows, Florence Welch, a.k.a. Florence and the Machine. She is a just a burst of energy, enthusiasm. Even when you interview her, it's just like she's radiating energy on the phone or wherever. And uh, her debut album, Right Out of the Box, hits you with a song called Dog Days Are Over, which I think is... Uh, emblematic of her career, emblematic of her attitude towards life, emblematic of this theme about breaking free. Uh, Dog Days are Over. She says the title was uh, inspired by a piece of uh, art that she kept seeing every time she would cross over the, the Waterloo Bridge in London on her way to the studio uh, in, in, in 2009 and, and said, you know, this kind of is talking about what I'm going through right now. She was uh, coming out of a bad relationship and suddenly realized she was in a new one where... She was falling in love again and was just struck by this wave of happiness. And in typical flow fashion, she uh, talks about this idea of not just being, you know, full of warmth and happiness, but Mm -hmm. being run over by a train and being hit (laughs) by a bullet. That's what it feels like, you know, this, this rush of like, wow, where did that come from? The suddenness of it. And what I love about the track... Is that it was recorded in similarly spontaneous fashion, like all of a sudden this this emotion is on top of you, before you know it, and they recorded the song in similar in a similar way. It's basically just a a small Yamaha keyboard. She said, you know, it was a, it was the size of a loo, the recording studio, <laughs> yeah. and they're banging on the walls with their with their palms. Yeah. Um, so there's this slapping sound. What sound like hand claps are actually she and, and a couple of uh, other people in the room uh, slapping at the, at the walls in this, in this small room. Mm. So a very simple, sparse track with this explosive uh, set of emotions going through it. Dog Days are over from Florence and the Machine on Sound Opinions.
3: The dog-
0: Dog Days are over from Florence and the Machine. That's it for our songs about breaking free. Now do you have a song that helped you break free of a bad situation, similar to Florence Welch? Uh, Tell us about it. Leave us a message on our website, and you might end up on a future show. that's a track called I Am the Upsetter, the aptly named lead-off track to our discussion about Lee Scratch Perry, the great reggae singer, producer, studio wizard, uh, who died August 29th at the age of 85. I Am the Upsetter, you know, he was dubbing himself the Upsetter. He later became the Upsetter, the recording artist, the Upsetter, the band, the Upsetter, the recording label. He adopted that moniker for, for good reason. I mean, almost everything... Lee Scratch Perry did in his career in Jamaica starting in the in the late 50s and early 60s was upset the norm he did not flow with the trends or he did not like being told what to do a lot of the reasons he wrote (laughs) I am the upsetter was his rebellion against Cox and Dodd the the producer who initially embraced him and then Perry felt like he was being ripped off, that he wasn't getting his due. A a, a strain throughout his career
1: because when he signed in the mid-70s to Chris Blackwell's Island Records, he promptly branded Blackwell as, quote, a vampire sucking the (laughs) blood of the sufferer. (laughs) This is a man who who later burned down his own Black Ark recording studio
0: uh, rather than let anybody else uh, uh, take it over. Well, the bad spirits had taken over, according to the mythology. I mean... He's genius crazy in the same way that somebody like George Clinton is or um, Sun Ra. There are very few people in music that you would say just basically blaze their own path and don't really sound like anyone else. Well, was Perry was definitely a, in, that, a, in that category. Always a
1: question. <laughs> how much of this is an act and how much of it is real? My favorite all-time Scratch Perry quote, it was only four tracks on the machine. Yeah. He's talking about the, the recording machine. But I was picking up 24 from the extraterrestrial <laughs> squad. <laughs> yeah. I believe he said that when he was living overlooking Lake Geneva yeah. in Switzerland. No, he's... You know? he's... <laughs>
0: He, yeah, and he, and he would always play with interviewers. He would always get out. Know, like. He would talk like a you know a voice of a lion or a voice of an ape. You know, he yeah. was very much like I'm in tune with nature. That's my only. Uh, that's the only thing I follow on the on this planet. God above all, and then you know God's creation on the planet. And yeah. he, human beings were not high up on his list of most favorite <laughs> favorite topics. To well, talk when, about. when you're an alien, why bother <laughs> with human beings? You know. So here's a guy. Who not only was a founding father of reggae and dub music in Jamaica, but by extension had a profound impact on uh, the origins of hip hop. Uh, yeah. You know, he's one of the his toasting style was a huge influence on rap, the evolution of dance music, even the lo-fi production of indie rock. You know, the whole idea that you could make records in your backyard on a four-track tape machine using tape hiss as one of the elements in your recordings. I mean, they were noisy, abrasive. There were sound effects on those recordings. He was pulling up the background instruments, the bass and the drums and pulling down the voice and the and the other lead instruments in, in tracks to well, create well, dub. He, he is really the father of dub music. Mm-hmm. Now, you just said it. I was only
1: interrupting you because we must explain dub, right? Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, it's that extension of psychedelic rock and the experimentation of the 60s with weird echoes. Or Think of a track like uh, Tomorrow Never Knows by the Beatles, right, with the backward guitar and John Lennon's voice th- through the Leslie. So... Uh, Scratch Perry is sitting at a mixing desk, as he said, you know, four tracks, right? But he is radically reinventing the relationships of instruments to each other, uh, to the echo chamber. Uh, Everything drops out except perhaps for for a bass drum or a a three-note bass riff. And uh, so we have uh, so many genres, like you said, not only hip-hop with his toasting, but uh, all of the interesting psychedelic and electronic music experimentation, like, you know, there's no Aphex Twin mm-hmm. or any of those EDM artists uh, who broke new ground in the 90s without Scratch in the 70s.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Scratch was uh, not only a great producer, he was a great songwriter. He had uh, a, n- a number of collaborations in the 70s. You know, he had the, the big hit uh, Police and Thieves with Junior yeah. Mervin that the yeah. Clash re- later covered. The punks loved. Lee Scratch Perry. Oh, yeah. They yeah, yeah. adopted him as one of their own and and Scratch was perfectly willing to be called a punk. He says, "Yeah, yeah. I am a punk, you yeah. know. He was a, I'm yeah. also an elf. I'm also I, an yeah. alien, you know." <laughs> Google
1: image search him. Yeah. I mean, there's great
0: pictures of him hanging out with the guys in Wire and the Clash. Yeah, just... As long as you didn't associate him with the man with the mainstream, right. he was he was totally fine with it. This is a 1976 track uh that Scratch co-wrote and produced with Max Romeo called Chase the Devil on sound opinions.
3: Satan is a evil host man, but him can't choke sit on I man. So when I check him my last in hand, and if him slip a gun with him hand, I'm gonna put on a iron shirt and chase Satan out of earth. I'm gonna put on a iron shirt and chase the devil out.
2: Send into outer space To find another race. I'm gonna send into outer
5: space To find another race. Oh, yeah
1: Chase the Devil by the great Lee Scratch Perry. Maybe we ought to do a whole kind of, you know, album dissection, career dissection on Scratch well, at some yeah, point.
0: We, we, we would need 7 million episodes to cover we, we all the, Somebody said there was a book of Scratch Perry... Uh, records that was 300 pages long it was just his discography
1: yeah it's a hard career to dive into but there are a couple of greatest hit sets and uh, I you know do you ever talk to him oh yeah oh my god that was a difficult interview well, did, you know, uh, translating it. You know, yeah, it's like translating you needed somebody
0: it. to translate uh, Lee, Lee Scratch Perry language, whatever it was. You I'm know?
1: Fra- glad I can say I talked to him, <laughs> but I don't know what we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite Lee Scratch Perry track? Share it with our listeners on the Facebook group. Leave a voice message on our website like these listeners did.
2: New messages. Wheels keep turning, the
3: Hi Jim and Greg, this is Nathan from Virginia. My buried treasure this week is an entry into the Stoner Rock canon, Cyclona from the UK. I don't know much about them, but there's a bit of Fu Manchu, occasionally Motorhead in their sound. It's loud, overdriven psych rock. Start with Star off their 2020 album Venus Sky Trip and blast off into space. That's it for me. Thank you for taking my comment. I am Lorraine here in beautiful Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. You inspired me to watch Woodstock 99. I was 18 with Woodstock 69 and I had the sentiment of anti-war and justice. I knew that rolling around in the mud wasn't going to cut it. Of course, I love the music. When Woodstock 99 happened, I thought it would be more polished. I didn't even pay attention. And from the looks of it, it isn't. Joni Mitchell is a visionary, though I wanted to point out, not a journalist. She's wrote a sentiment that you could agree to. So I just wanted to point that out also. Thank you.
2: Hi, this is Mike from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I just listened to your Woodstock broadcast. And you guys referred to three Woodstocks, the Woodstock 99, Woodstock 94, and Woodstock 69, the original. And you kept repeating the three Woodstocks, but you are leaving out that there was a fourth Woodstock. In 1991, on Yazgar's farm at the original site, there was held Woodstock 21, which celebrated the 21st anniversary of the original Woodstock. The shows included Arlo Guthrie, who was backed up by his son's band, who went on then to play their own set, as well as band out of New York called the Dharma Bums. Uh, Blues Traveler and Richie Havens also played there. Again, it was a three-day event, basically, like the last or the original. But I was a little bit surprised to not hear you guys make any reference to that. Anyway, that's my comments. I hope it's interesting for you guys. And thanks for your show. I really enjoy it.
5: Hey, Sound Opinions. This is longtime listener John Ross in Norwalk, Connecticut. I recently joined as a Patreon supporting member. I love the Desert Island jukebox. After listening to your uh, interview with Alex Jervis from Bandcamp, I thought it was really interesting um, when you talk about the types of businesses that are disruptive in the music industry and truly supporting the artists, what would be your top five companies that are helping artists today in the
2: best way possible?
5: Thanks so much. I'll keep listening.
2: Bye. Just got done listening to the Latin American music special, and I was surprised that there wasn't a mention of Caliuchis.
4: And that there was a
2: mention of Rosalia currently I'm looking at Spotify right now and looking at the monthly listeners Kali Uchis who's from Colombia uh, has about 300,000 more monthly listeners than Rosalia who's from Spain and personally I wouldn't consider Latin American I know it was Spanish music translated in the US but I feel like Kali Uchis definitely deserves a mention
5: Hey, Jim and Greg. I just got done listening to your episode on the Woodstocks and wanted to share a few memories with you guys. My father ended up deciding that we would try to sneak into the show and got to the chain link fence that had been erected around what was once-my-childhood sledding hill, (laughs) and somebody had cut a hole in the fence with a cardboard sign saying, free concert entrance here. So this was my first rock concert experience and really, really had a lasting, lasting impression on me and really, really fueled a lot of my interest and sparked my imagination with music and rock and all sorts of genres and everything else. That said, that sledding hill from my childhood was pretty damn true. Trash. Anyway, great, great show. Really sparked a lot of memories for me and really appreciated hearing about it.
3: Hi Jim and Greg, this is Eric. So I think I've listened to Sound Opinions from almost episode number one. But the main reason I'm calling is to give you a backhanded compliment. I thought your latest episode featuring a review of a song by Jamie Branch and a conversation with Damon Locks was a huge breakthrough for Sound Opinions. Because it's one of the first times you unapologetically talked about the music called jazz. On previous shows, I've been perplexed in that while you admit walling off music into genres is a mistake for any listener, you've often done so for jazz. I think there's an idea that jazz is an intellectual person's music, but I disagree. You don't need a PhD in musicology to listen to and have opinions about jazz. Based on recent vinyl sales, it seems like lots of younger people are buying jazz records more than ever. It continues to be a vibrant, creative music in the world. So all this is just to say that while you've got a foot in the water, I really hope you jump in and consider jazz as a music that's categorized just like any other music that you review and consider for the show. Thanks so much and keep up the good work.
4: more
1: messages. Thanks again to our listeners who sent us voice messages. We really appreciate it. We hear you. Many of you have told us you love to uh, have those messages on the show. Well, go record yours now. Soundopinions.org. We'll keep airing them.
0: Greg, uh, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we have an interview with the glam rock artist Art Deco. And on this week's bonus episode, I pay tribute to the late Don Everly of the Everly Brothers. You know, if the two of us could sing, we'd sort of be like Everly Brothers. <laughs> no, we wouldn't. No, I don't think. Never
1: <laughs> in a million years. For more Sound Opinions, listen to our podcast wherever you find such things. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this program belong
0: solely to Sound Opinions and not necessarily to Columbia College Chicago or our sponsors. And speaking of sponsors, every week our show reaches hundreds of thousands of curious listeners from around the globe via podcast and on 150 public radio stations nationwide. If you'd like to learn more on how your business or organization can also reach this engaged and educated audience, you can email sponsor at soundopinions.org. That's sponsor at soundopinions.org. Thanks, as always, to our Patreon supporters. Sound
1: Opinions is produced by Andrew Gill, Alex Claiborne, and our intern, Sol Delgadillo. Our social media consultant is Katie Cosmo.